Good morning. My name is Pastor Allen. I want to welcome you also. Hopefully I greeted most of you at the door. Uh, we usually do a series of teachings over three, four, five weeks. And we started a new series last week. It was titled, Right in the Eye. If you missed that or want to hear it again, it's on our website, the audio. Um, the topic last week was Stranger Than Fiction. We talked about this story from an Old Testament book of Judges. It was really, really strange. Uh, you can back and read it yourself or uh, listen again. Uh, we'll catch you up a little bit. Uh, but today's topic is One King Leads to Another. <clears throat> and this series is basically about the dark side of the American dream, if you will. The American dream is great. You know, anybody can be president, right? Uh, so one of your children maybe grow up one day to be president. Uh, we can buy, do kind of work we want. We can have jobs. We can go to college. Uh, we can buy houses, buy cars. Uh, that's the American dream. Now, the dark side of that is something, uh, a phrase we used last week, and sometimes you may have said this. Uh, certainly you've heard it from somebody, uh, and many of us, if not all of us, have thought this one time or another. I want to do what I want to do when I want, with whom I want. All right, you ever thought that? Maybe you've done that? All right, that's part of the American dream. I had the freedom to choose to do what I want, when I want, with whomever I want. All right? Now, we're civilized people, right? So we have this little caveat. We say, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, right? We wouldn't want to hurt anybody. And we talked about last week, well, this is a huge, huge myth. It is impossible to do this for very long without hurting somebody. If not anybody else, hurting yourself. And you're a somebody. So if you do this for very long, you are going to wind up hurting yourself. You're going to hurt people that care about you. If you've got parents and you go and do some crazy stuff, it hurts your parents. If you have a spouse, you go off the deep end, it's going to hurt your spouse. Uh, if you've got close friends and... Uh, you know, you go crazy and do some wild things, uh, it's going to hurt them. In fact, we've all had family rel or relatives do this, right? Make some crazy decisions, do some wrong things, and it hurts you. you know, and you wish you could stop them, you wish you could help avoid the disaster that they're headed for. So this is a myth. In fact, we talked about last week, only rich, super rich people could do this anyway. Those of you who have jobs, can you decide just not to go to work tomorrow? Now you want to keep your job, right? Those of you been in school, can you decide not to go to school? Well, you could, I guess. Get <laughs> kicked out of school. All right, so only the super rich people could do this anyway. And we also talked about how women uh, suffer the most under this uh, philosophy, for a better term. <clears throat> uh, so you hurt people that care about you. We also talked about you hurt the people that come after you. And I said, we're all a little weird. We're all a little dysfunctional. We all have... <laughs> Uh, strange things about us, our personalities, and so forth. As you get older, you think, well, why am I like this? Why do I act this way? And, and then you begin to realize, that, well, I'm this way because my mom is this way, or I'm this way because my dad was this way, and I, I kind of learned it, or I inherited it from them. And it was some kind of dysfunction. It was probably them choosing sometime in the past to say, I'm going to do what I want to do, Whenever I want, once they're not going to hurt anybody, and it wound up hurting you and I. And when we do, it's going to hurt our descendants after us. 
But it's now it's our turn to decide. We want to live this way. <clears throat> now this looks different at different ages. Now, as teenagers, we kind of you know, want to get under our, away from our parents' authority, and so we do this little thing, maybe break our curfew, you know, go smoke or drink or something else. Uh, then we got maybe a, a young adult, and you have more freedom, right? And then maybe you, you did some worse things or some things we shouldn't do, things we regretted. And as you get older, these things change. Then you get my age, and we see some people my age doing crazy things. We wonder, don't, you, don't they know better? But I think part of the problem with people our age is we're running out of time, right? <laughs> if I'm ever going to do this, I need to do it now. So, that's the, uh, the, the issue, the problem, the philosophy that we're trying to <clears throat> address or answer uh, in this series. So, we're, we're basing this on a, a historical part of the Bible. It's called the Book of Judges. And if you know some Bible history, the Israelites were in slavery for over 400 years. That's just kind of mind-boggling. Generation after generation knew nothing but slavery. All right? Uh, we can't comprehend that. Moses comes along, uh, helps deliver them out of Egypt. They wander around for 40 years. Another generation dies. So there's a generation that doesn't remember Egypt, but their parents did, and they remember the stories. And then Joshua takes over, and I don't know exactly, but it was decades. It took them to conquer what we call the Promised Land, and not drive out all the people, but at least dominate all the people. So now the 12 tribes of Israel control the Promised Land. <clears throat> and uh, during this 330 years, and then... Later, they began to have kings, Saul and David, etc. <clears throat> now, how it's supposed to work is this way. They had the law. Moses got the law, the Ten Commandments. Remember that from the movies? <laughs> so they have a law, what God wants them to do and not to do. And um, for a while, they had Joshua as a leader. But now they're going to just boast to have God as their leader. God is their king. And there'd be some people to help, help uh, guide them. We call them judges. <clears throat> The problem was it didn't work very well. In fact, it didn't work well at all. And what would happen is, well, we don't really have a, lead, a, a strong leader and the law is just kind of this vague thing that Moses got. And so people just did what they wanted to do, right? And it didn't work very well. In fact, they would say, hey, none of us like to be told what to do. We don't want God telling us what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. So they disobeyed God. And if you do that very long, you're going to run into problems or even a disaster and for in their case usually it would be an invading army or one of the tribes that didn't destroy uh, other peoples uh, would take take control of them and then they would get to the place where oh no what are we going to do god please help us i promise i'll never do this again we all been there done that right god i'll never do it again and god would deliver them when these judges would come and they'd have a battle and they'd win the battle and God would deliver them. And then not too long after that, they would back in the cycle, disobey, disaster, deliverance. <clears throat> and so, we looked at the last part of the book of Judges, at a story that's just horrible, horrible, just crazy, where people just did what they thought was right in their own eyes. In fact, that's what the last verse in this book says. 
days of Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. And there were some crazy things. They told people to, you know, kidnap yourself a wife. And this one guy, well, I don't even talk about it. What he did to his, uh, well, called her concubine. Um, so people just seemed to be making it up as it went. And it was just crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. You couldn't uh, even make it up. <laughs> if it wasn't possible. So there was no heroes, there was no redemption, there was nothing good that happened from this philosophy, doing whatever right in your own eyes. So now we're going to go back and look at the beginning of this book of Judges, it's 330 years. Actually, we're going to start a little before that. Uh, we're going to look at Joshua, uh, what, what he has to say to these folks. But before we do that, they've conquered the, nation, the, the promised land, so it's a great time of celebration and the people are all excited and so Joshua gives them this farewell speech and uh, he's a wise person but there's, you know, there's a lot of emotion, a lot of enthusiasm because of this great victory. So I'm going to compare it to what I call the last night of church camp or the last night of soccer camp or the last night of music camp or if you grew up in church, the last night of revival services, Okay. And it gets real emotional. And at camp, you know, usually all the girls cry because they made friends and now they're not going to see them for a long time again. And, uh, and it's really good, right? And you make all these decisions, you make these commitments because you're all enthusiastic. And, you know, if you're dating somebody you shouldn't date, you, you make this decision, I'm going to, when I get home, I'm going to break up with that person. Or when the rival service is over. And then you're going to, if you're a teenager, you're probably at odds with your parents. You're, oh, I'm going to ask my God, parents to forgive me. I'm going to be a good, <laughs> good, obedient child, teenager, and do what they say. And I'm going to patch things up with my parents. And then you just pretty much quit everything. I'm going to stop smoking and drinking and, and uh, chewing and going with girls who do. I'm going to stop dancing, going to the movies, looking at stuff on the internet. Well, whatever it is, you, you need to stop all the stuff you shouldn't be doing, right? You make these decisions, you make these commitments, they're important, they're good. Uh, it's fantastic. The problem is, what? Two or three weeks after you're home, pretty much doing what you're doing before, right? Not all the time. Sometimes there's real change, and that's one of the things we celebrate around here when people make lifestyle changes. But most of the time, when the enthusiasm dies off, and when you're away from camp, or away from the Revival services, you go back, same old, same old, right? Well, this is kind of similar to what happens with the Israelites. So we're going to look at the last day of camp, which is where Joshua gives us speech, all right? Into the book of Joshua. Here it is, uh, chapter 24. So the fear of the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. This is Joshua speaking, all right? Not half-heartedly, not backwards and back and forward. Make commitments and then break them. Just... Full steam ahead, fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped. Now, idols are anything you put before God. So I'm saying, okay, if I'm wholeheartedly committed to putting God first, then none of these other things are going to be before God. And this goes back to, you know, the, the, the religions of, of, that they had back in Egypt. It says, serve the Lord alone. So this is kind of a code for, hey... Stop doing all that stuff I shouldn't be doing. You know, break up with my boyfriend or girlfriend. You know, uh, make peace with my parents. <clears throat> so he's saying you got a choice, right? He's saying the best choice, what you need to do, 
I'm not going to be around anymore. What you need to do is wholeheartedly serve the Lord and not put any idols or anything before God. So what did the people decide to do? All right. People replied, we would never abandon the Lord and serve of other gods. Now, anytime you hear the word never, <laughs> it's probably not true, right? My wife said she was never going to marry a preacher. All right. Good luck with that one, right? Never use the word never. Anyway, so they said, we're never going to do that. And that's almost a guarantee that they, they will. But that, you know, that's what they said. <clears throat> For the Lord our God is the one who rescued us and our ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. So, again, these, these folks had never been slaves, but they knew the stories. Generation after generation of slavery. And we don't want that. And God's performed these mighty miracles before our very eyes, so we know that you know, we serve the living God. He's a powerful God. He's a good God. You know, and He's given us this, our freedom. He's given us this promised land. So you know, logic says, hey, that would be stupid, right? To abandon God. And to go on. It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and the other nations here, living here in the land. So we too will serve the Lord, for He alone is our God. We're not going to have any other gods. And this is where it gets kind of a little funny. If you read it, we don't have it all on the screen. But if you read it, Joshua is basically saying, um, yeah, I bet you're going to do that. I bet you're going to abandon God. And the people said, no, 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 no. We're never going to do that. Yeah, I bet you do. No, 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 no. We're not going to do that. I bet you will. No. I bet you will. No. You ever play that little game? That's kind of what Joshua was doing with the people of Israel because he kind of knew human nature. He knew these people. But the people answered again, no, we will never, we will serve the Lord. We would never do that. Now, talk is cheap, isn't it? It's easy to say, well, I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do that. What really is important is what we do. So, Joshua gives this rousing speech. He, he's a little uh, uncomfortable with what he thinks is going to happen. And then he dies. And so then we pass on to this period of 330 years of what we call the judges. And it's, it's like before the paint even dries, all right? Judges chapter 2. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal, a false god. So just like after the camp experience or after revival experience, it isn't long before back to same old, same old, right? It's exactly what happens here. And the writer of Judges goes on and explains a little bit more. He says, they abandoned the Lord. So instead of following the Lord, they took another path. The God of their ancestors had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them. So there's other people around them serving other gods like Baal. And they said, huh, that's kind of an interesting religion. Oh, I like some things about, about your religion. I don't know what they, what they like, but anyway. And I think I, I prefer that to, to, to serving as God of our ancestors, even though he did these great miracles. I think I prefer your religion. And so how did God respond to this? Well, how would you respond? <laughs> In fact, we've said this to our kids sometimes. They, they grow up and then they go off the deep end. You say, you know, Look what all I've done for you, and this is how you treat us, right? Well, that's what God says. He got angry. He said, they abandoned the Lord to serve Baal and the images of Asheroth. Now, let me stop here and explain a little bit. 
the people living there had these, these two gods. And Baal was the male god and Ashtoreth was the female god. Uh, Baal was the god of rain and weather and, and crops and so forth. So agricultural community, that's really important, right? Because you have the right weather to grow the crops you can eat. Um, Ashtoreth was the goddess of love and war and fertility. So you know, if you want to have children, you can't have children, and you know, you're praying to your god or, uh, to win, win battles when you're at war. <clears throat> now, it's bad enough that they worship other gods. The first two of the Ten Commandments are about not worshiping other gods. So that was a biggie to God. That was really important. So they're breaking the first two com- of the Ten Commandments. <clears throat> But it's just mind-boggling because this religion, if you will, this type of worship, involves such things as uh, temple prostitution <laughs> and uh, sacrificial, sacrificing people to the gods. When things got really bad, you sacrifice children. And if it got worse, you sacrifice more children. And one time, history tells us that they told all the richest people to sacrifice their oldest child. Because the weather wasn't good, the crops weren't good, or, or whatever, or the battle was going bad. <clears throat> so this is the choice they made. We're going to abandon God and going to serve Baal and Asherah. <clears throat> so the Bible goes on. What does God do? He burns with anger against the Israelites. He handed them over to the raiders who stole their possessions. And going on, he turned them over to their enemies all around them, and they were no longer able to resist them. Okay? They were no longer able to resist. They were helpless. And the people were in great distress. Now, this all began with the preconceived idea of I have the freedom to worship God or these other gods, right? I have that choice, that freedom. That's how it begins. I have the freedom to do what I want, when I want, with whoever I want. That's how we think we're expressing our freedom. But what's the result of that? It's just the opposite. They were no longer able to resist. They were no longer able to have, they had no freedom anymore. And consequently, when you have no freedom, you feel distressed. So let's summarize it this way. They abandoned God. Right? So, no, got thanks God, but no thanks. They followed the people around them. And we have people around us that aren't following Jesus. And we have the options at times, okay, I'd prefer to do what you're doing to do what I think I should be doing. But consequently, when we think we're expressing our freedom, or maybe we are, the result is we've surrendered our freedom. So here's the point. I do what I want to do whenever I want, with whomever I want. And after you do that long enough, eventually you come to the place you say, uh-oh, I can't, I no longer can stop doing this. I'm no longer free. I no longer have a clear conscience. You're stuck when you thought you were free. So I'm going to summarize it this way. Israel simply traded one king, one master, for another. They were no longer able to resist. That's a lesson for all of us, no matter what what, what our background might be. Uh, Maybe you grew up in church. And you learn all the Bible stories and you know all the rights and wrongs. And, and then somewhere along the line you decided, hey, God doesn't have my best interest. Uh, God doesn't want me to have any fun. God, again, th- thanks God, but no thanks. I'm going to go 
do my own thing, right? Now, sometimes it was, you know, when he went off to college right then, up, I've up, changed. For most of us, it's probably more gradual than that, you know. Oh, there's one thing I don't want to do, God, or there's one thing I do want to do that you don't want me to do. It's kind of a gradual thing. And maybe you did I didn't grow up in church. I didn't start going until I was a teenager. So I didn't have that background. But my mom told me what was right and wrong, right? I had this sense of right and wrong. And um, so I had made these decisions. I, my conscience would tell me to do or, do or not do something. We're going to talk about conscience, I think, next week. Um, so whatever, whatever your background is, we're all kind of in the same, same boat, boat here. Um, we simply trade one king for another. It kind of slips up on us. Now, this might be a little offensive, but I believe it's true. Your creator God created you and I and me to be ruled. He could have created us differently, but he didn't. <clears throat> so is there really any true sense of autonomy? Can you simply do what you want when you want with whomever you want? Is, 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 that, is it a possibility? Another way to think about it, can you be in control or whatever you want to be in control of? Now that way it's easy to answer the question, isn't it? There's so little of life that we have control over, don't we? Huh. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote this book called The Great Divorce. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of good books. Great Divorce is not about divorce. It's about imagining what hell is like. We don't know a lot about hell. We don't know what, what heaven's about. And his vision of hell is this. You can have whatever you want by just thinking about it. That doesn't sound too bad, does it? But the downside is this. You're isolated. There are no relationships. Okay? If we want to punish somebody, what's the worst punishment we usually come up with other than executing somebody? It's solitary confinement, isn't it? Because we're made for relationships. So hell is a place where you can have whatever you want, except you can't have what you want most, and that's relationships. I think heaven's similar to that, that you can have whatever you want by thinking about it, but then you have these great relationships. So, you're just choosing, you and I, a different king, a different authority, a different ruler. So I'm going to list a few of them here. I'm calling them the little kings because God's the big king, right? All these are little kings. <laughs> uh, appetite. All right, I can eat whatever I want, drink whatever I want, inject whatever I want, swallow whatever I want, right? Now, if you do that long enough, all of a sudden you can't what? You can't stop eating that or you can't stop drinking that or you can't stop ingesting that, can you? Insecurity. Uh, we all, if you're Jesus following, if you're not, we're really happy you're here. Uh, we think these the things we, we teach are helpful to everybody. <clears throat> so you're at work or at school and, you know, people know you're a Jesus follower and the conversation kind of stops or changes or you're not invited to the parties because you know you're, they know you're different. And you get tired of being different. You want to be part of the, the, the crowd. So you uh, stop being a Jesus follower, right? This is a little king of insecurity. Fear. Maybe worry is a better Better, better word. Anytime I do a teach on worry, you know, I get all this feedback. Well, worry is just fear that you can't control what you want to control. And I already said, we don't control most, most things. 
But if you're a Jesus follower, you know God's in control. Greed's kind of self-explanatory, so is lust. Comparison, uh, consumption. Just got to get more stuff, got to get more stuff. Again, kind of the dark side of the American dream, right? And eventually your stuff is ruling you. And family history, we've been talking about this. For some of you, and for me, one of my goals when I grew up, being an adult, was I'm not going to be like, my, in my case, my dad. My dad didn't start going to church till midlife, but very passive God. Uh, dad, he was very uninvolved, and then every once in a while he'd just blow up. Okay? So I, I told myself, I'm not going to be like my dad. I'm not going to be like my dad. I'm not going to be like my dad. Well, what happens when you focus on something? That's exactly what you do. <clears throat> I'm not going to be like my mom. And you can't break out of that cycle. <clears throat> and these little kings show no mercy, do they? So how do we get started in all this? And the way we get started is this way. It's I won't. I won't do what my conscience says. I won't do what God says. I won't do what my parents say. I won't do what whoever says. I won't, I won't, I won't. And that becomes our motto. But eventually, it changes from I won't to I can't. I can't stop. I can't undo what I've done. I can't get a clear conscience. I can't be at peace anymore. And you want to change and you can't change. Summarize it this way, it's all, and this is fascinating to me as an observer of, of, of culture. It's always easier to say no to God than it is to say no to the things that substitute for God. Why is that? We have this loving, caring, all-powerful God, and we can just brush him off anytime we want. Nah, God, I know you want me to do this, but I'm not going to do it. Easy to do that, isn't it? We all do that. But what about appetite? And what about lust and greed and and comparisons, and consumption. That's really hard to say no to, isn't it? Why? Because those little kings, they don't love you. They don't care about you. They're not merciful. So where do you and I get the most or the maximum freedom? Under Almighty God's authority or under the little king's authority? Pretty easy to understand, right? There's no freedom under the little kings. And then this part of Judges ends with this statement. The Lord burned with anger against Israel. He turned them over to a little king. In this case, Cushion. I can't pronounce this guy's name. And the Israelites served... And for eight years, now I went to college for seven years. That was a long time. Eight years is a pretty long time, right? And they suffered under domination, under slavery, under lack of freedom for eight years. Now, if you read the story, they got to the place where we used the word repented. They said, oh, we're so sorry, God. We won't do it again if you would just rescue us. God did. So in their, expression, their attempt to express their independence, they were really becoming, back up please, <laughs> becoming enslaved 
<clears throat> so what would God do? What did God do? What would you do? Well, unlike the little kings, our God is a loving, caring, merciful, forgiving. In fact, he loves us unconditionally. That means no matter how many times I get to the place that, oh, I'm sorry, God, I won't do it again. He says, okay, I'll take you back. And he knows we're probably going to do it <laughs> again. Now, does God want to control you? No, he doesn't want to control you. He could have created you that way. He could have created us all as robots if he wanted to. But he didn't. He loved us enough to give us freedom of choice, doesn't he? How amazing is that? So I'm free to follow Jesus or I'm free to follow these little kings? into slavery. Now as a pastor, what brings me great joy is when I see somebody get this, understand this, say, okay, yes, I'm going to, so we say, following Jesus, changing together. That's where I'm going. Now the downside of that is you never can get your past back, can you? So if you went crazy in your 20s, you can't get your 20s back, right? Went crazy as a teenager, you can't get your teenage back. But you can change the future. So in our attempt, and we're about finished, I have another song, we'll let you go. In our attempt to do what we want, when we want, with whom we want, all we do is trade one king for another. Another way to say this is change, trade a loving, caring, merciful God for one that enslaves us. So we're not really choosing independence, we're choosing to give up our independence. So, next week we'll continue with right in the eye. In two weeks we're going to talk about Samson. Most people heard about Samson. He's probably the most famous of these judges. Hopefully you found this helpful and you'll come back and join us next week. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this story. Thank you for preserved it for us. We thank you. Hopefully we can learn from it. And God, give us the wisdom to understand that these little kings, these little gods are no gods at all. And they don't bring freedom, they only bring slavery. Um, God, we thank you that we can break out of that by your help and by your power. And we pray for the folks here, especially anyone that aren't Jesus followers, that never stepped across that line, or trying to figure it out, God, that they would continue to, to seek. And then maybe even to step across that line and say, hey, yeah, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to try following Jesus. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.